than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But praise God, he doesn't leave us right there. Because if he left us right there, all we would be left to do is scratch our head and wonder, what is God thinking? What is God doing? But God continues to say in Isaiah 55, and I encourage you to read it, he says to them, you that are thirsty, you that are hungry, you that are tired and are done with trying to do things in your own strength, in your own ability, come to me. Because I've got a way that's high above, and I'm not just holding it up in heaven. As the rain comes down, as the snow comes down, so my word will come forth out of my mouth. And I'm going to send it into your life. I'm going to send it into your circumstance. I'm going to send it into your situation. It's going to go right in there. And it's not just going to go there and go, hmm. But it's going to change some things. It's going to stir some things up. It's going to agitate some things. It's going to move upon some things. It's going to take some things out. It's going to put some things in. And it's going to cause a growth and a life to manifest. And then it's going to fill the whole earth. Just close your eyes for a minute. Lift your hand up say, Heavenly Father, I know your ways. I know your thoughts are higher than mine. I can't figure it out in my own strength. In my own understanding. And so I bend my ear. I yield my heart. I submit my will to receiving from you and following you in this new era. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So as 2020 comes to a conclusion... And now we are in 2020 W O N. 21. This is the year of victory. This is the year of victory. And not just victory, but this is the year of breakthrough. There's a big difference between a victory. You can have a victory, but you may not be walking in dominion. But when you get a breakthrough, not only do you get a victory, but you walk in a dominion. We'll talk about that. Turn with me to Isaiah 28, 21. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 21. And I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Version. If you don't read out of the Amplified, I, I would encourage you to do that for as you're digging into a study and you want to kind of get a more of, a, of an expansive thought on what the Word is saying. It's a good version. Verse 21. The Lord will rise up as at Mount Paratium. I'm learning how to say that word. Some of these 
words of towns and people in the Bible are tongue twisters. But that word is paratsium. And see, the Lord is saying, he says, I'm going to rise up. Now, I'm going to rise up, and I want you to understand how I'm going to rise up. I'm going to make a comparison on how I'm rising up based on what I did on Mount Parazim and how I moved and how I was stirred up in the valley of Gribian. So now that leads us to a question. How did God move in those areas? Well, he synopses it right here, and he says, I will do a work, and it will be an unusual and incredible work to accomplish his work, his extraordinary work. How many of you are ready for God to do an unusual incredible, and extraordinary thing in our lives, in our church, and in our country. Amen. So let's talk about what, what, what did God do. We'll talk about the Valley of Gibeon. The Valley of Gibeon, you'll read this in Joshua chapter 10. In Joshua chapter 10, Joshua and the army of Israelites are moving along in a very high pace. They destroyed the the walls of Jericho. They destroyed the city of Achan. And they're just going through the, the land. And the word is spreading. There's a, there's a new leader, a new commander, a new nation that's rising up and it's eating up the inhabitants of the land. And Gibeon realizes God's with them. We can't fight them. We can't overpower them. So they do the wise thing. They go to Joshua. They say, Joshua, we will be your servants. Don't kill us. We'll do what you want. We'll, 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 we'll supply whatever you need. We'll give our resources to you. We'll give our, our homes, our family, our lives. We will make ourselves your servants. We just ask you, don't kill us. Spare us. And in the mercy of God, Joshua says, I will do that. Well, there's these kings, these five kings of the Amorites. And they hear about this. And they get upset because they have to do something about it. We've got to stop what's going on here. We've got to stop this move of God. This is going to change everything. We're not going to be able to live in our sin. We're not going to be able to operate in our wickedness. We're not going to be able to continue to run our kingdoms the way that we're doing it. And we don't want to change. And so they mount up an, an army, five kings, Five kingdoms come together. It is the biggest army that Joshua has ever faced. This army was not only big, it was huge. It would be like China and Russia and and Iran and... and, uh, Give me another big country. Russia. What's that? Korea. Korea. 
all coming together. Bringing all of their armies together to fight one army. And Joshua prayed. And he said, you go fight them. I'm giving you the victory. You're going to win the battle. Now Joshua has already lived in this supernatural anointing. God's anointed him and that army. They've already went out and they've, they've fought battles. And they prevailed against the enemy in a supernatural strength and ability. So in other words, when they were out fighting, there might have been a guy out there from the enemy, you know, swinging like this. But when those guys were swinging their swords, it was like three or four swords were swinging at the same time. And this is how these guys operated. If you ever read the story of these warriors in the Bible, they're, they're just crazy. You know, it's, it's like Samson with the jawbone of an ass. He killed a thousand Philistines. Now, that would have been a sight to see. You probably couldn't even keep your eyes on the jawbone. It was moving so fast. And they're used, they're used to that. They know what it's like to go into battle and have the anointing of God come upon them so they can fight. But God said something different. He says, you know what? Today, I'm going to fight your battle. And God did two very unusual things in that battle that he never did before and never did again. The first thing he did, because it was such a big army, God stepped in, reached into his pocket of rocks, and started throwing hailstones down on the enemy. Because again, this was, the, this was a number you couldn't even number. This was a number that covered, the army covered the hill, the valley, the next hill, the valley, the next hill, and so on. And you couldn't see the end of this army coming against you. Kind of reminds you of the, of, the, of the movie The Matrix when the guy finally realizes and they send everything at him and they just, these, these machines are coming after him endlessly. So God says, you know what, there's, there's, you're going to need a little extra help here. So he starts throwing down stones, hailstones from heaven. And the Bible says that God killed more with the hailstones than the Israelites did with the sword. And again, this is a huge army. So God's involved, they're involved, the battle's going on, but because there's so many of them, they're running out of daylight. And the last thing they want to have happen is it goes dark. Because if it goes dark, the enemy can run and hide and you won't get them. So Joshua goes to the Lord. He says, Lord, we're, we're running out of daylight. God says, don't worry about it. I'll stop the sun right now. God stopped the sun. It stayed light out for another extra whole day. So they could completely, totally annihilate this enemy that was coming against them. 
two very unusual things that God did in that valley of Gibeon. And God said, in this word, he says, I will rise up again like I was stirred in the valley of Gibeon. But then he also made a reference to Mount Perazim, which we'll talk about in a second. But when God moves in this day, when God moves in this era, it will be an unusual and an incredible work. And what that means is that it's an operation, it's a function, where God does something beyond your own imagination. It's something that God does in a way that is so unusual, it's so incredible, that it goes against some of your own reasoning. It goes against some of your own logic. It's something that you yourself couldn't plan out. You couldn't do it. You couldn't, you couldn't kind of figure it out. I mean, for example, when David killed Goliath with a sling and a stone, yes, that was unusual. But he did have a stone. He did sling it. He was a pretty good shot with the slingshot, and he hit the giant right where it needed to hit him. And even though it was very unlikely and very improbable, you couldn't quite put this into the full-blown effect of hailstones falling from the sky. But the way God's going to move now, it's even going to go beyond some of the natural things that we can assist in, that we can say, well, we, we kind of we helped here. <laughs> We kind of made it work out that way. No, God's going to do it in a glorious way. Amen. Amen. And then it says that when he does this work in the unusual and incredible way, it says, and to accomplish his work. Now, when you look at that verse you almost get the feeling like it's done. Like, you know, like if somebody came to you, you're a mechanic, somebody came to you and they brought this car and the motor was blown and the tranny was blown and, and you know, it was just a mess and you brought, put it into your shop and you worked on it and worked on it all week and then you got it all together and you got it fixed, you would say you've accomplished the work. But the reality is, in this scenario, is that you didn't just finish a work, but what you did made something work so it could keep on working. It did, it, what God's going to do is going to change some things, but it's going to rearrange some things. It's going to set some things up so God can continue to keep doing what he wants to do continuously over and over and over again through the thing that he has accomplished. It's like when he set up the Levitical priesthood. It wasn't just one sacrifice. It wasn't just one offering. But now it was a whole... It was a whole legacy, it was a whole lineage, it was a whole servant ministry that was going to continue to keep offering and keep giving and keep worshiping and keep doing the Lord's service day after day, year after year. 
And so this work that God's going to do is going to set some things up that are going to be very perpetual, that are going to continue to keep working, that are going to continue to have an impact upon the world. And then he said, it's an extraordinary work. Extraordinary means something unknown to you, not to God. Something unfamiliar, something that's foreign, something that you never heard of, something that is new, something that is wonderful, Something that is outlandish. How many of you are ready for God to do something outlandish in your life? Now listen carefully. Back to Isaiah 28, 21. Go to verse 22. This is very important. It says, Now, now that God said this, now that he's making his point, he says, do not carry on as scoffers. Now, what is a scoffer? It's a mocker. A scoffer is somebody who talks arrogantly against what the Lord is doing. He makes it little. He makes it worthless. He, t he tears it down. He disrespects it. He interprets it in a negative or a worthless way. And so God is saying here, do not carry on as a scoffer. If God does something that is unusual, that doesn't make sense to you, then just stand there in faith, thank God, commit it to him, and say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, however you want me to work, however you want me to operate in this, I am willing. And I pray your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And just go with it. God will always confirm what he does with his word. He's not flaky. He's not off. He will confirm it with his word. And you have that as an assurance as a guide, as a, as a stability, as a wisdom, as a rock, as a security in what God is doing. And he says, but if you do become a scorner and you do mock it, the repercussion of that, and this is where we're, we're going to see this, how it impacts people that do this, is that whatever weakness they have in their life, Whatever bands or bondages they have in their life, those things will intensify and eat them up and destroy them up. So we're not going to be on the scoffer side. We're going to be on the Lord's side. Now he also made a reference in here about he was going to move like he did on Mount Peretzim. Turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. 1 Chronicles. And this is the story of David. And in this particular story, David is finally coming to be king been a long road for David. David's 
gone through a lot of struggles. Here he was, a 15-year-old boy. Samuel the prophet comes to his house. He's out, you know, they gather all the sons, but they leave him out in the, in the pasture to tend the sheep. Samuel's there, and he tells Jesse, he says, Jesse, I'm here because the Lord told me to come to your house and anoint one of your sons to be the next king. And so Jesse gets excited. He gets his oldest son out. He lines him up. Samuel says, nope, that's not it. And they go right down the line. And then through each one of them, Samuel says, nope, 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 nope. And then they're standing there, and there's no more sons. And he goes, you, you got to have another son somewhere. Where is he hiding? Oh, that little boy, that little guy, little David. He's out by the sheep. You want me to get him? Yes, get him. Brings him in. Boom. The anointing manifests. God says this is the one. Pulls out the vial of oil, starts pouring it over his head. I mean, this must have been quite a moment. Very happy for David. Maybe not so happy for the other sons. So there were a lot of mixed emotions. There was probably joy at one end of the line and, and uh, anger and frustration at the other end. But now David's this happy boy, and there he is. I'm going to be the next king. Oh, you know, this is exciting. Go back to your sheep. Okay. He's back there playing his harp, swinging the slingshot, watching the sheep. But he's doing something. He's letting that cultivate in him. He didn't scoff it. He didn't ridicule it. He didn't deny it. He just said, okay, I don't know how this is going to happen, but I'm just going to soak in the things of God and let it cultivate. Because God's the one, only one that can take this little boy and make him a king. And so he does that. And we know that he filled himself up with faith. We know that he wasn't just sitting out there, you know, just looking at sheep and throwing rocks around. He was meditating on the Word of God. He was letting himself be so filled with faith and knowing how awesome and how powerful and how mighty God is that when he finally got an opportunity or an exposure to an adversary called Philistines, uh, the giant Goliath, everything that God put in him rose up. He said, ah... All the other Philistines were, or all the other Israelites were hiding behind rocks, hiding behind walls. They were afraid of this giant. They weren't going to step one foot out there and challenge him. But not little David. Because something inside of him was saying, this, is my, this, 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 this doesn't belong here. This doesn't belong here. We got to take him out. He goes to Saul. Saul says, sure, here, have my armor. He puts it on. He's like, I can't fight in this. This isn't going to work for me. I just need my slingshot. And he ran down to the rock, to the, to the riverbed. He grabbed not one stone. He wasn't expecting to just take out one, but he grabbed five stones. Rumor has it, Goliath had five brothers or had four brothers. 
So he was, he was expecting big things. He goes out there, you know the story, swings the, the rock, slings it right into his head, and after they have a little bit of conversation, a little friendly gesture there, a little declaration, here's what the Lord's going to do today. You know what? We are, we are in that same place. When you're facing a giant, the first thing you do before you get into battle, before you move forward, is you stand your ground and you use your prophetic anointing that God's given you, the Holy Spirit, and you begin to speak to that thing and you say, you are not going to stay here. You are not going to rule over me. You are not going to take from me because God has blessed me. God's favor is upon me. His healing is upon me his help is in my life and you're not taking it from me and then you go after it and that's what he did and that was a great battle and after that battle then Saul brought him into his army start made him a captain and he was riding with Saul in battle and he was killing Philistines and he was killing a lot of Philistines. As a matter of fact, he was killing so many Philistines that when they came back from the battle, the ladies were out with their tambourines and they were dancing and singing. They probably had a couple flags like that, yep, waving it around. And they were singing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. David's like, mm-hmm, feeling good. God's good. Saul's like, mm-mm, I'm not going to have this guy take my spot. Jealousy came in. Anger came in. Resentment came in. Before you knew it, he was throwing his javelin at David when he's playing his harp. He's accusing him falsely. He's chasing after him. So you, you, know, you, you, so you look at this, for example. Here you got David going through all of this. And it was over 15 to 20 years where he knew he was a king, but he never was able to walk in the dominion of the king. Yes, he had the victories of a king, but he wasn't walking in the dominion of a king. And through a series of events and battles and judgments, God finally judged Saul. The Philistines came upon him, surrounded him. He, Saul didn't want them to kill him. He fell on his own sword and died. They found his body. They took his body, cut his head off, took his armor and his head, and they put it on their, their idols. Morbid. They thought, okay, we, we got it now. We finally took out the Israelites. They were a pain in our side, but we won. We got them. We got their king. Meanwhile, David is hiding in Ziglag. He's, he's down in, in southern Judah, and he's just laying low, and he's got a bag of ran, you know, a, a, a band of men that are kind of, kind of rejects, men that lost in life and didn't do the best things, but, but they were men that, that repented and they were humble and they wanted to, to do what's right, but they, have, they were nobodies. That was David's army, a 600 band of nobodies. And he traveled, and he lived in caves. He even had to live with the Philistines, the people that he, he fought against. He had to actually live with them. One time, to avoid death, he had to act like he was a lunatic, and he started messed up his hair, he crawling around on the ground, and he's scratching on the king. This is King David. 
He's scratching on doors and walls and people look at him and they're feeling sorry for him, that he's lost his mind. But now, here, in 1 Chronicles 14, 1 and 2, it says, Now Haram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David with cedar and timbers and masons and carpenters to build a house for him. And David understood that the Lord had established and confirmed him as king over Israel, for his kingdom was highly exalted for the sake of the people Israel. So what happened is David, finally, all these armies were coming, all these armies were joining in, and tribes were sending soldiers, and they were saying, we're going to follow you, David. And they're anointing him as king, and now he's finally coming to that place. And as he comes to that place, then the king of Tyre sends all of his supplies, and he says, we're building you a palace, your own place. And then David realized, I'm a king. I am the king. Now, do you think, it, you think the battle is over? <laughs> no. Jump down to verse 8. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all of Israel, they all went up in search of David. They weren't coming to give him gifts. And he heard about it and he went out against them. Now the Philistines had come and made a raid on the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of God. He said, shall I go up against the Philistines? And will you hand them over to me? And the Lord said to him, Go up, I will hand them over to you. So Israel came up to Bahail Pratim, and David defeated the Philistines there. Now that sounds like the norm. You know, David kills some more Philistines, right? But read on here. It says... Then David said, this battle did something for David. It had an impact upon him, so much so that he said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like the breakthrough of waters. Therefore, they named that place Baal Parazim. The Lord breaks through. Way back in Isaiah 28, God said, I'm going to move, and I'm going to move similar to how I did for Joshua in the Valley of Gibeon, but I'm also going to move similar to the way I did David on the Mount Perizim. I'm going to break through. See, when God breaks through, He floods. It's a flood. It's not just a manifestation here. It's not just a change there. But it's a flood that comes through. And there's a, it's like a landslide. It just begins to roll and it begins to grab things and pull things and suck things up and eat things up and tear things down. And so when God breaks through, it's not just for destruction, but it's for other things. The word breakthrough means... 
to break down, to break over, to break into, to break open, to break in pieces, to break out violently, to break out over limits or limitations, to enter into a greater increase, success, and ability with greater growth and greater results. So now here's David in this battle. And he sees God coming through like this. And he realizes that this is the breakthrough. That I have had victory and victory and victory, but I've never been able to walk in dominion. But today, I'm walking in dominion. There's things in your life that you may have battled for years. There may be habits, there may be attitudes, there may be addictions, there may be things that, yes, one day you got victory over it, you were able to resist it, you were able to overcome it, but then a week, a month, a year later, it came back and it got you again. And there you are, on your knees, praying, Lord, forgive me. Lord, cleanse me. You need a breakthrough. You're trying to get success. You know God's called you to do some things. He's, he's put some things in your heart. And every time you take a step forward, things hit you so hard, you go two steps backwards. Why can't I just keep moving forward? I see God doing it. I see God opening the door. And as I start to move, all of a sudden, bam. I'm back to where I started from. I need a breakthrough. I need to walk in dominion. God is the Lord of the breakthrough. So here David is. He's fighting these Philistines, and something comes over him. I'm not fighting these Philistines as a little shepherd boy. I'm not fighting these Philistines as kind of a, a kind of unwanted son-in-law in the king's house who doesn't really like me, but acts like he likes me, kind of feel like I belong, but really feel like I don't belong. How many of you ever go through those emotions in your head? He's not fighting the Philistines like that anymore. He's fighting them with the confidence that I am a king. That I have dominion over this thing. That I have authority over this thing. That this will not rule over me. I will rule over it. Whole different game changer. That battle that David had with those Philistines, as you read on here, was so powerful that the Philistines, it was, it was kind of a thing that they did in battle. They liked to grab their, their idols, you know, their, their, their prize idols, like their good luck charms, the things that they feel maybe the gods will give them extra power if they carry them with them in battle. Well, they had those in battle with them. And they were getting beat up so bad by, the, by David and, and, and Israel that they took all of their idols and they just threw them on the ground and they hightailed it out of there. So when David comes in there, he's like, look at all these dumb idols they have. And he gathered them all up. He got a nice big bonfire going and he threw them in the fire. And when the Lord gives you the breakthrough, the spirit that's behind that, 
the evil influence that was behind that, that was instigating that, that was working behind the scenes, that was giving that an extra push, an extra thrust, an extra force, an extra pressure, is being broken. It's being canceled out. It's being burned up in the Holy Ghost. And now when you face that temptation again, or that struggle again, you're not aware of it. You're not afraid of it. You're not overly conscious about it. it is a, you know, it's one thing to stay away from the bottle, but to have the bottle call you. It's another thing to stay away from the bottle and don't even hear it, don't even know where it is, don't even see it. It has no influence. When the Lord set me free from smoking marijuana, it was a big thing. And I went through a struggle for six months, back and forth. Then I get on my knees and I pray, Lord, forgive me. I need a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough, Lord. I, can't, I know I'm not supposed to do it, but I do it. The thing I don't want to do, I do. And the thing I do, I don't do. And God, who will deliver me from this wretched body? But then one day, the power of God came. The day before, I was getting high. But when the power of God came, I was in the same group of people, same setting. And when that pipe came to me and they said, here, it's your turn to take a hit, I just reached my hand out and said, I don't need it anymore. I don't need it anymore. A couple days later, I'm walking down the road. Now, I've been serving Satan for, for years, but now I'm not serving him. So here I'm walking down the road. I stop, I look on the ground. There's a bag of weed sitting on the ground, a full bag of weed. Like, you never gave that to me for free when I was serving you. <laughs> I took that bag of weed up. I laughed. Emptied it all out, sprinkled it all over the ground. I don't need this. I'm free from this. I got a breakthrough. The Lord of the breakthrough. So you think it was over for David? No. You read on further here. Philistines were not too happy about this. They regrouped, licked their wounds, and they said, okay, now we're going to come back at them again because they don't know for sure. So they come back, they attack in the valley of Rephim. David prays, Lord, should I go after him? Lord says, yes, but we're going to do things a little different today. He says, what I want you to do is don't go at them. Don't go straight at them. Go around them. And all those mulberry trees that are in the field, you go and hide in those mulberry trees. You stay in those trees. And you wait, and when you hear the leaves on those trees begin to flutter and flutter and flutter, you know that the Lord is marching through. And then you go after them and take them out. See, when you got your breakthrough, your battles are going to be a little bit different. 
When you get that breakthrough and you experience the Lord of the breakthrough in that area, there is going to be an extra anointing and an extra Holy Ghost power and an extra manifestation of God that's going to break loose. It's going to be there to assist you. Angels will come and help you. The Holy Spirit will manifest His presence and do amazing things. And you will know you're not fighting alone. You're not fighting alone. You've got a supernatural God who's working on your behalf. You've got an anointing upon your life that's working greater than ever before. You have arrived. You are in it. It's flowing. It's happening. How many are ready for 2021 for God to be the Lord of the breakthrough? Amen. Let's everybody stand up. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And we're going to declare some things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I'm going to lead you in this prayer. Hallelujah. Say, Heavenly Father, you are the Lord of the breakthrough. And I acknowledge you this way. And I come before you today in the anointing of a priest. And I offer my spiritual sacrifices and intercessions to you. Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me. If there's any sin in the camp, I ask you to expose it, I ask you to cleanse it, and I ask you to forgive me of that. And right now, I forgive and I release any and all who have offended me, hurt me, or done wrong. I forgive them. I release them, and I will not hold any ill will towards another person in Jesus' name. And Heavenly Father, I pray your love and mercy will be upon my enemies who hurt me, spoke evil of me, done wrong to me. Have mercy upon them, help them, and touch them. I plead the blood of Jesus right now over me, over my family, my children, my parents, my grandchildren, aunts, uncles, my family lineage. I plead the blood of Jesus. Over all of them. And right now, I denounce any negative, condemning curses or agreements set against me, set against my family, set against my bloodline, in the name of Jesus. I cancel them out. With the blood of Jesus, that speaks mercy, 
forgiveness, freedom, victory, healing, restoration, blessing and prosperity. In Jesus' name. Now, Heavenly Father, I come before you in the anointing of Jesus Christ. A king who is under the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And right now, I command in the name of Jesus the spirit of fear, spirit of infirmity, spirit of hate, spirit of bitterness, spirit of lust, spirit of addictions. Leave my life, leave my family, leave my lineage in the name of Jesus. And I command spirit of failure, spirit of rejection, and spirit of defeat to leave my life, to leave my family, to leave my lineage. In the name of Jesus. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Thank you, Father. 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 Now say, now say this prayer. Say, Holy Spirit, you are my comforter. You have, called, you have been called to live in me, to help me, to be my aid, to be my strength. And I ask you now, Holy Spirit, to take those areas that have been cleaned out to fill with your presence, with your callings, with your gifts with your anointings. And I declare with you, Holy Spirit, working in me, that I will rise up, that I will walk in my calling. I will walk in my purpose. I will walk in my destiny. I will have victory, and I will walk in dominion because you are the Lord of my breakthrough. In Jesus' name. Now give a shout to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. No more the same. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for breakthrough. 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 Glory be to God. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the victory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your victory right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. There's been a shift. A shift. Things have shifted. It's, you know, somebody, somebody came up to me recently and they said, Pastor, will you, will you pray for me? I need strength. Here this was somebody that was worshiping God. They were in the presence of the Lord. They were walking. In, I could tell God was on them. And I thought it was so unusual. They were saying, pray for strength. I need strength. And I thought about that for a minute. I prayed about it. And I felt like the Lord told me to tell him something. And I came up to him and I said, let me ask you a question. If you were in the store, somebody came up to you, they reached into your back pocket, they started taking your wallet out of your pocket, what would you do? What would you do? You'd be like, well, I, I, I'd grab their hand, I'd tell them to stop. I said, that's right. You know why? Because that's your wallet. It's yours. You want strength? You've got strength. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Don't let the devil pickpocket you and take your strength away and tell you you don't have it. You've got it. Fight for it. It's yours. That's what it takes sometimes. Because we got it. I, I wish I could tell you after today, you're not going to get another headache, another sniffle, another bill, pass due, another whatever. But I'm not going to mislead you, and I'm not going to tell you that. The only way I could promise you that is if we were to take you and chop your head off. That's the only way you could get that guarantee. How many want that guarantee? <laughs> but when those things come, you've got the Lord of the breakthrough. You're a king unto the Lord. You have dominion. No, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, this isn't happening here. This isn't happening here. Praise God. Father, we thank you so much for today. Lord, we are excited for what you're going to do this year. We excited, we're excited, Lord, for 2020 W-O-N. We won because you won, because you got the victory for us, because you paid the price, you made the way, you poured out the provision, and you give us the ability and the anointing and the strength to do it. And so, Lord, we thank you that we will walk in your dominion in 2021. Lord, bless your people as they go today. Strengthen them. Just continue to speak things to their heart, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that the spirit of the prophetic unction of the Holy Spirit would come upon each one of us in a greater measure and that we would be speaking the wonderful works of God and declaring the things of the Lord to the atmosphere, to the world around us, to the situations, to the circumstances, and we will stand strong and watch the hand of the Lord work in our lives. Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.